everybody. Thank you for listening to uh, the Savage Beast podcast. My name is Paul McLeod. Uh, with me is my friend, who's going to say Joe, G- <laughs> <laughs> Joe Gallagher. Yeah. And this is our first podcast. Yeah. We're going to be talking about whether or not uh, Rock is dead. And that first track was... Uh, uh, Soar by Dilly Dally, which uh, I think is going to play in a lot to the themes we have to discuss. Um, so uh, it should be an interesting discussion of uh, why anybody would give a shit that nobody gives a shit about rock anymore. Let's back up and just say this is our first podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, we really have no idea how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, the planning was minimal. We tried... This is our fifth attempt to record it. Is it five? Did you actually count that? I, I think it is. I th- it might be four. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it, there were a lot of abandoned attempts. I think it may have been five, including yeah. one time that we just, like, didn't even try. Yeah. Well, we're tech-savvy millennials, so... Um, yes. Uh, obviously, we're well-qualified. And How uh, many how many total wires are on your side, oh, Paul? Oh, Jesus like, Christ, let everything? me count. Um... Counting my headphone wires, I guess uh, only four, and you can double that for stereo. So nice. Um, and uh, hopefully, we'll get an even better setup where we don't have to deal with some weirdness uh, with the recording. Anyway, um, so uh, let's. Sh- sh- yo, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. I was well, ad libbing. We should. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is awesome. Um, oh, so hot. <laughs> um, we should we should explain what the podcast is about. Yeah. Well, you give your idea first. Uh, I think it's about us talking about whatever music we want to talk about in uh. whatever context we feel like. But most of it will be mostly the context will be to aging hipsters seeing the musical world through the focus of the the late nineties. That's a two thousands. That's a good way to do it, and I think <laughs> I think it's in future episodes we should uh, go through our personal music histories for the listeners, so they can um, they can understand the perspective we're bringing, which is uh, as you described, aging hipsters. Which um, is that? It's that your aim, your aim screen name uh, <laughs> used, used to be Weezer SP. Yeah, and uh, if and I, still is, I guess probably still is. Yeah, I mean, I, you could probably log on to AIM. I mean, I, in theory, it, right? It was still there until um, until Google stopped integrating AIM and Google Talk. I was still oh, yeah. r- rocking the Weezer SP. So well into the two thousands. Um, yeah, it's the, yeah. You can still go to AIM dot com. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and That's you know, the, terrifying. The backstory on that is that those were my two favorite bands in the late '90s when uh, I got on AIM, and um, definitely still colors my taste to this day, um, as we'll discuss right now. So yeah, um, I had some thoughts about how to start this discussion of the place of rock in the modern can- world. So okay, so we're, we're going to say what is the I like that you're framing it as to as what the place of rock. Yeah. Now not, not yeah. Recently and going forward. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. My first thing was uh this is a fraught conversation to begin with because um uh rock 
despite coming out of a very black tradition, um, <laughs> has, has ended up being the music of the white man uh, in the modern age. Um, not exclusively, of course. And um, uh, there are many, many, many f- excellent non-white uh, rock musicians, obviously, um, who are among my favorites. Um, but, uh, you know, the cultural connotation of rock music is this is what, uh, you know, mainstream white American audiences and Western European audiences listen to for several decades. And then, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, um, the mainstream started being infiltrated by more recently black forms like hip hop and dance music and R and B and so forth. Is that, um, is that your take on the uh, sort of very bro- uh, brief overview of uh, the, how we got where we are? The, the 32nd history of rock, yeah. basically, <laughs> in, in the context of all other forms of music. Yeah. So as I was uh, saying, it's, yes. it's fraught yes. to even talk about rock music just because it brings in all these race issues that are highly relevant today. Um, well, but do they are they relevant to like where... You're saying that, that they're relevant to where rock currently stands in our culture. Well, I think that if you're in our culture and you're talking about music and you start by saying, what is rock? Um, there's sort of an implied, uh, uh, or there could be an inferred, um, uh, white people are losing their grip on the culture and we need to get it back type of connotation that is bad. Uh, yes, especially if you could if you think that you know if you probably correctly um say that hip hop is becoming the dominant uh, artistic form of music uh, or has, most has become. highly celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean uh what's Yeah, it, has already is, already yeah. is. And what's yeah. interesting is the way that you know, this probably happened in the mainstream 20 years ago, um, you know, uh, as the alternative revolution of uh, Nirvana and such bands in the 90s sort of petered out, which when you look back happened within four years or something. Um, yeah, yeah, well, you mean, yes, I mean, it, it was a very, alternative rock was a very short period of time. That yeah. It's, it's popular, right, it's popularity was in the mainstream was yeah 92 to 97 yeah and since then i mean rock has not really uh there's been no critically acclaimed rock i would say that has really dominated mainstream musical taste since then would you agree uh yes i mean i i would say that i always go back and say that uh when to me I always look at like 1998 Harvey Danger <laughs> released Flagpole Sitta, which I think is, uh, as far as I could find, I feel like that was the last big MTV hit ah. for an alternative rock song that what that you know fits even a little bit into you know the the grunge alternative continuum. Right, and that grunge um, alternative continuum I think is important because that was the last thing that was both mainstream popular and critically acclaimed. Right. Um, and then, I mean, right. Because then you get, you get into a, a you know, limp biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Or are you saying that like, 
well, I don't know, were you going to say, is, is Kid A ah, rock yeah. music, which, you know, got played for, like, they played the whole album on MTV2 back then, and, and, you know, like, when it came out, and, you know, it was certainly a giant deal. It was, but did you hear uh, the national anthem in the grocery store? No, (laughs) that would have been, yeah, I don't know now, probably now that I live in Portland, I probably will hear it played in the grocery store. Good point. But my point is that to me, like mainstream success is like your mom might've heard this. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and so, yeah, there've been things that have sort of made a dent, but, uh, when you could say rock as much as I love Kid A, and it's still my favorite album, um, and as influential as it's been in sort of, again, the more artistically acclaimed fields of music, it would be, it would be difficult to say that it really captured the popular imagination um, right. outside of people who just love music. So what we're really saying is that, at least what I see as the timeline, is that as we entered... Uh, the the era of rock, the long era where indie rock was the dominant form, uh, basically, it it it's fan it's a uh, it's fan group was just slowly aging. Yeah. Um, and there there weren't. I mean, there's still certainly plenty of people, like you know, it coming out and making it but the people who cared about it and listening to it were really a lot of people who had already grown up listening to it when it was popular in the 90s or before yeah and what's interesting oh go ahead no no and and i just gonna say it's like i'll be my example would be uh, you know the white stripes i mean a lot of people do know white stripe songs but i just i think that when they were you know, began to be very popular in the early 2000s. I, I just think their fans tended to be 25 mm-hmm. rather than, you know, 16. Yeah. And and what's interesting is how that younger generation's taste has now even taken over sort of the indie crowd uh, to a large extent, um, to the point that now you read articles on Pitchfork about like Dive, which is uh, one of the cooler bands I think is still going. Um, or is going new and going now. Um, you, you read an article on Pitchfork about them, and they're like, "Yeah, they're one of the last main st- or indie relevant bands that actually uses guitars." Um, I mean, is that, did the article say that? Yeah, the, oh. this is on their uh, profile of Zachary, uh, whatever his name is. Sorry, <laughs> guy from Dive. <laughs> I read a whole profile of you, and I remember that Zachary Taylor Smith is what I want to say, but I think that's wrong. Um, Anyway, Zachary um, Cole Smith. That's right. Very close. Yeah. Um, Was Zachary Taylor a guy on Home Improvement? Is that where I got that from? Uh, That yeah, something (laughs) like that. Uh, Anyway, he's a president, like President Zachary (laughs) Taylor. That's probably like just one of the least known. He's just one of the shitty presidents. But you know, I think we're thinking of Zachary Tyler. Is that right? Jonathan Tyler. (laughs) 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 And it's another president. Damn it. I, Jonathan Zach- Taylor Thomas is That's- who we're thinking of. And Zachary Tyler was the one who got poisoned, the president who got poisoned supposedly, I think. And that's what I always remember him from um, while in office. Um, yes. 
Yes. Uh, uh, rumors, rumors have it. I don't want to be yes. sued by no, the no. estate he, of he, Zachary they, Taylor. They thought he was poisoned. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So the reason um I wanted to start with the uh, Dilly Dally as the opening track is one. I think that song is fucking awesome, and so is the whole record. By the way, I plan to curse on this podcast. I don't think we discussed that. How, how do you? That's that? fine. All right. Some of my favorite podcasts they just say vile, awful things. So. Um, yeah, I think we're I think we're well past the point of yeah. So play this caring. for your kids and just let them know how adults uh, talk, and it'll be fine. Um, anyway, uh, so this that Dilly Dally album, it's really good. Uh, the whole album is really good. Um, they're sort of part of the uh, the other movement that I think is relevant to this discussion, which is sort of the uh, '90s rock revival on the indie circuit. Yeah. Yes. Um, because uh, the way I heard about them um, was uh, Sadie Dupuis from Speedy Ortiz, who's perhaps the foremost of those bands, um, uh, was pimping them on Twitter. Um, ooh, that might be problematic. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, she was um, uh, uh, singing their praises on Twitter. And um, uh, it's just really good. And it it's interesting to me that the most sort of vibrant uh, rock music of the indie scene now that's like pure guitar rock anyway, is very much uh, brings up all this nostalgia in a person like me who um, just still loves those 90s rock sounds probably more than anything as much as I love hip hop and dance music and electronic music and all sorts of other things. I don't know. What are you? Well, I mean, we're, we're certainly in the same boat there where there's nothing, I mean, you know, there is no kind of music I like better than those highly distorted, yeah, you know, g- crunchy grunge guitars with really great riffs. Yes, um, and and I think it's it's supremely evident that after you know a decade or more of rock bands taking from their predecessors in the seventies and eighties. Now these indie rock bands are taking from their predecessors in the nineties. So yeah. like Speedy Ortiz, Colleen Green, um uh Dilly Dally, uh my my current favorite Diet Sig. Yeah. Speaking uh, of which, do you wanna introduce a track there? Yeah. So let's listen to this, which I think this this there's just so much nineties in the way they put their songs together. And, um, and, uh, also in the, in the vocals, you know, there's that raw, like imperfect quality to them. Okay. So this track from, uh, from Diet Sig is Sleep Talk and it's off their, uh, dinner date, uh, E, I guess single from late last year. Uh, so let's just listen to it. Then I'll blab away.
this is tough because I, I want to like just listen to the whole song, but I, I, I really, I know we can't play the whole thing. Uh, yeah, you know that the track is so, there's just so many things you could list like a dozen things that come straight from the 90s. There's like the the overridden, over, uh, overdriven drums that it's just like kind of take over the uh the verse and then the the chorus is just uh you know just very loud and violent riff <laughs> um and there's a just a like it's just kind of like dripping with angst yeah. from beginning to end you know just um bands where people are complaining about you know their exes yeah uh, uh I, I have to say, I don't think I, I, you had uh, encouraged me to listen to Diet Sig before I heard that track. And their four-song EP I have, and it's really good. And that track is awesome. And I have to say, one of the things that makes it a really good choice, uh, apart from what you mentioned, is the lyrics are really excellent. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, there's this thing. These bands are good. I mean, these, like, you know, rock bands that are coming out with stuff right now in like 2016 are really awesome. Yeah. And I, I guess the question we're debating is whether uh, is anyone listening to them? <laughs> and I think they are, but it's a very niche audience. Um, like, okay. So I have a brother who's nine years younger than me yes. and his, uh, actually got to a good sampling of his music taste because he and I just drove, uh, 12 hours either way to Colorado and back for a family vacation uh, a week ago. And um, we rehooked up the ghetto, uh, another problematic thing. Uh, <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> we we rehooked up the, uh, the uh, shady uh, rig of putting my, um, my studio monitor speakers that cost me $1,000 in the back seat of his car along with a mixer and hook them up to the electrical system. And so we were just blasting music the whole time. And via, via, a a, uh, a straight from China converter <laughs> that, that frequently overheats. That was, that was Amazon's finest inverter. I'll have yeah. you know. <laughs> and it overheated that one time cause the, uh, wires weren't fully hooked in anyway. Um, uh, so it was interesting to see this guy. He's 25. Um, he's, uh, and rock music is really just not part of his music diet at all, really. Um, he threw me a bone a little bit on the drive back when I had the wheel and played some Kid A without me even asking. Um, so that was impressive, but uh, I but got... No the, rock. Yeah. Um, well, uh, he pulled out one Tame Impala song from their second album. Um, okay. But it's mostly uh, sort of like uh, club dance music and then um, uh, the kind of hip-hop I don't listen to. Um, right. <laughs> Part, party hip-hop. Yeah, which that... no, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know if I need to hear a song where it said, the guy says, it goes down in the DM uh, about 60 times in the course of four minutes. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's true. That is where it goes down. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, it's yeah. very of the moment. Um, yes. But, <laughs> but anyway, it's interesting. You know, we've, we've got these current bands that are producing really good stuff that is absolutely just an underground thing, as far as I can tell. And even underground to the underground. These, um, the, 
so I don't want this podcast to be um, uh, to have sort of Pitchfork as our bet noir for everything, but Pitchfork is useful just as a barometer of sort of what the uh, music cognoscenti think, I think, or what is being pushed on them, you could at least say. Yes. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, it, the things that blow up Pitchfork more than anything are sort of uh, A, um, the more thoughtful mainstream hip hop and dance acts and, um, you know, your Beyonce's and your Kanye's and um, Drake is probably as bro-ish as they'll go. Um, and then um, plenty of weird experimental stuff and a smattering of indie rock, but, you know, uh, even... I don't know. They're really good indie rock bands now that will, that haven't been, if they're not totally established already with the ex- few exceptions like savages, which we'll get to, it's tough for them to like be the lead story on a site like that nowadays. Would you agree? Yes. I mean, they're it's, it's tough for them to be the lead story because they're not, I mean, people, there just aren't as many people who care. Yeah. And it's like you said, there are just fewer and fewer people who are seeking out, the you know seeking out rock music in almost any form i mean i guess that's that's kind of the question it's like or is it in this terminal decline yeah where i mean the way i see it is are we you know approaching the time where rock is going to exist as you know, the, the rock ensemble at Lincoln center, you know, where we're being asked to pay a hundred dollars to go see, um, you know, whoever the, I'm sure I, I can't even, you know, Jack white would be a, you know, the, like the obvious choice for someone who's like leading the, you know, uh, the conservatory yeah. of guitar rock. <laughs> no. Um, and I agree. I think that's sort of the, the worst case scenario for rock is, um, which is still an okay scenario is that it becomes like the modern jazz and there's interesting, good stuff being put out and there's an active community who's into it, but it's irrelevant to the culture at large. Yeah. I mean, that's your jazz is the perfect comparison for what, you know, for this doomsday scenario, because it's like no matter how good a, a new jazz release is, it will never receive yeah. uh, popular mainstream attention. And the most it could get is something like what we saw last year with Kendrick Lamar, where he releases, he's a hip hop artist who releases an album that's just full of jazz sounds, but right. it's not really yeah. jazz in the jazz tradition. Yes, right, exactly. Um, so I, one thought that I had was, why would anybody give a shit about all of this? Um, so... Uh, it's I mean, other than us. Yeah. I mean, other than people who just have this nostalgic attachment because they're old and not able to change and um, just aren't cool. Um, right. So uh, I was trying to think, what is it that rock does that these other genres can't do, if anything? Is there such a thing? Um, so I don't know. Uh, I have some thoughts. And, but I thought I'd put the question to you first. And if you don't have an answer, I'll just go into mine. So you're asking like, why do we care? Why do we want to preserve rock? Yeah. Like what is it as? Yeah. Why should new rock be produced and be uh, cool and relevant and good 
uh, why can't we just be happy with the 50 years of it we already have? Well, I, I have to say that I'm not, I don't know that I have, uh, I guess I'm interested to hear your answer because I'm not sure that I have a great answer that's not extremely selfish. <laughs> I mean, I, as someone who I still am going back and finding rock bands that I love from previous generations, you know, just like when in the 90s I went like many, many people, like many, many teenage boys, I went back and listened to Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. like very carefully, you know, now I'm still like, I just kind of, I just really listened to um, Swerve Driver for the first time, like with, with great attention and they're fucking awesome. I mean, they're just, I'm just one of those bands that I listened to. Is like, how how did no one tell me about this band like 20 years ago? Yeah, um, they're amazing. But anyway, so I guess the thing, is, the, my point is that I I feel like I even have so much rock music to go back and listen to that it's hard for me to like that their album Raise is from 1991. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to like say. I need a, a lot of new rock. That's true. Especially when it's so derivative of what's come before. It, unless it's sort of branching out into indie dance pop. You know, I don't, you know. Yeah. I just, so, yeah, that's, I think that's why this conversation interests me is because I, I'm not even sure that I need some new rock band to come along and start filling arenas up. Yeah. Well, and I agree. I mean, to a certain extent, it doesn't actually matter to me what the mainstream likes. Um, if you, True. if you like good art, uh, you kind of have to just give up on popular taste because it sucks and it's always sucked and it always will suck. Right. Um, but it is, <laughs> there's, there's the slogan for our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sorry, this is not, I'm not going to come to you from a populist point of view. Although, again, I hope to not be hopelessly elitist. Anyway, um, uh, so first of all, what you said about rediscovering old bands is interesting because I don't know about you, I think probably most uh, latter-day rock fans or music fans feel this way. Um, there's a lot of anxiety about, uh, uh, am I, am I well-versed enough in what came before and... Um, have I missed anything and am I conversant in what's important? So for instance, Swerve Driver is a band whose name I've heard. And when you brought them up, I was like, I don't think I know when they released music. Um, right. <laughs> I can probably guess the name Swerve Driver definitely does not sound pre-90s. So um, anyway, then you said 1991 and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that fits about right. Um, and I need shoegaze. They're shoegaze. Ah, They're like the go. classic. That's right. Not like if when you go, you know, you're saying shoegaze, you go My Bloody Valentine, and then like Swerve Driver is like the next band. Ah, you yeah. know, if you're, yeah. And this touches if, on my <laughs> lukewarm feelings towards shoegaze. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, that's another thing you should know about this podcast is I'm, uh, I certainly am not a pop nerd who has a totally encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, uh, although my knowledge is still probably good enough to put me in the 99th percentile of people who listen to the music. Um, but it's like, you know, there are huge important bands that I just made no impression and I don't know about them. Um, right. Anyway, um, so my thoughts on what rock can do that maybe other genres don't excel at to the same degree anyway. Um, 
I agree with you. It's tough to come up with something really good. So my first thought was sort of, uh, there's a sort of um, introspective emotion, but I think that's wrong. Because um, the sort of introspective emotional state that uh, some of my favorite bands like Radiohead or Modest Mouse put me in, or, you know, sort of more classic Modest Mouse, um, you know, I think people definitely get that out of, uh, say, a Drake or uh, even a Kanye or something like that. Um, so that would be a little, it would be too much to say that, you know, hip hop or whatever can't do that. But there is a certain sort of uh, expansive emotion type of rock music that I think I haven't heard the hip hop that really hits that. Or the, you know, dance music, you can get that with some, some of the more esoteric groups or acts like uh, Aphex Twin. Um, but um, so something like, you know, Arcade Fire would probably be the most popular version of this, where, especially on their first album, it's just like big anthemic um, music that uh, is trying to sort of like create an intense in spiritual experience, you might say. Um, so I don't know. Um, I know you have mixed feelings about the Arcade Fire, which we'll definitely delve into in a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I, I can 100%, uh, you know, agree with that. Yeah. Another analysis. another example I had in mind was uh, Antlers. Do you listen to the band Antlers much? Or have you? I have, yes. Yeah. So, like, their album Hospice that came out in 2010, which appears to be a concept album about somebody dying of cancer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it just has, and maybe we'll take a break. Those are usually good. Yeah. Those are usually good. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, uh um specifically what's what's the Eels album that's also about oh, that? Electroshock Blues. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's you know about ten years, twelve years earlier than this right. other one. Um but I feel like that's one thing that rock can do is and maybe we'll take a pause here and uh re edit in uh some of the uh antlers because I don't feel like dealing with the whole talking over it thing. You know, it's like a song that has, um, uh, you know, sort of a quiet, really pretty melody during the verse parts and, uh, you know, sort of really intense, heartfelt lyrics. And then it goes into this incredibly widescreen um, uh, chorus with loud guitars, you know, and the guy's wailing about uh, this person he's talking to and comparing her to Sylvia Plath. Um, And uh, I don't know. It's very powerful and effective. And, um, I don't know, have you, have you heard of, can you think of any non-rock popular music that has, that does that for you or that you can think of that might do that for somebody sort of this big ups, you know, uh, upwelling of emotion sort of thing. Well, I, I, it's, it's, I guess R and B maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, there are, Hmm. Maybe that's. I have to. I have to think. You know, it's. It's. You have to. Th- 
maybe like if you go back and look and say, well, that's a particular mode of music that, you know, begins in opera Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, ba- you know, the ode to joy, mm-hmm. you know, where you're, you're reaching for the height of bombast and, <laughs> uh, you know, dramatic, uh, impact. Yeah. And that, that it's an instinct that is currently being ignored or suppressed uh, by what's what's popular, even popular among younger, sophisticated music listeners, it's not being as well you know, served anyway. Yeah, it's not being as well served. I mean, they, you know, you know, I, I would say that they're more interested in chiller music. I mean, yeah. Well, so have in the middle of this conversation, it occurred to me that one good counterexample might be. Another artist I don't listen to that much, which is Adele, or you know, sort of the yeah, big R and B like pop, that. But that's pop music. I mean, they do. I mean, two people do feel a lot of, you know, deep and earnest uh, emotion. Yeah. Because of Adele, you know, I mean, due to listening, warning, <laughs> Adele may cause emotion. Um, but that's. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, pop music is certainly able to generate that kind of emotion at least you know during the first few listens you know or yeah first few dozen listens um okay i mean yeah yeah so i mean what is there anything that pop music like that lacks as compared to a rock take on that sort of thing i mean Uh, i would tend to say depth but that might just yeah it's, it's depth i mean you know i think that pop music uses those emotions quite cheaply mm-hmm. and so sometimes can access them very directly and i mean that's why it's popular that's why it's addictive and uh catchy yeah um and there's some really good deep pop music but i can't think of too much of it that does what we're talking about um like you have uh some of my one of my favorite sort of pop musicians now is somebody like uh, janelle monet or something like that yeah who's famously sort of cold in her music um uh or very well mannered you might say um well i guess you know when it comes to i mean i when you're talking about it in pop music i mean you could say like i got into this uh this song by like debbie gibson from the 80s that i (laughs) randomly heard you know and it's like it's like has this really like this chorus called like uh, hold on, what's it? It's called "Only in My Dreams." It's ah. a, it's such a it's it's such a corny song, but it's like you know, it's the the chorus is like so well constructed that I just like can't like listen to it without like you know getting into the the key change that's in there. You know, it's just so it's just yeah. But like, it's not that's nothing. It just there's no like depth to it. Yeah. So even though it's like kind of activating the same emotions in me, it's like not like something that has any sort of meaning beyond the fact that like it's kind of it's enjoyable to listen to in the moment. Yeah. Um, um, I would say there are acts like uh, maybe. Um, have you ever listened to the Tegan and Sarah album Heartthrob? I think that's what it's called. Yes, not for a while, but that's that's it. It was. It used to be on my yeah. rotation. Yeah. So I still listen to that album because I, 
I can't think of any sort of just like pure pop music that I really like better. Um, yeah. at least not of recent vintage. Um, but even there it's, there's a certain sort of, uh, rage that, or, you know, spiritual, like just, uh, that, um, that a, can't quite bring grunt. it to Yeah. Thank you. Um, that that sort of music just can't quite evoke. So I don't know. Well, um, I would say, I mean, not to, to, you know, if we get too far into pop music, I mean, you know, we go back to, I mean, throughout rock's history, except maybe when it was first popular in the sixties and it really was like rock and pop were the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, like the Beatles and, and their immediate, uh, sort of antecedent like antecedents like Elvis and then mm -hmm. you know Rolling Stone I mean other than that that's the only time that like rock and pop have been the same thing yeah I mean and then I mean so even like in the 80s like uh, Michael Jackson and Madonna were far more dominant than any rock band even when U2 was you know becoming the biggest rock band in the world um oh my god I just realized my my case for rock music was like the best case ever for U2 <laughs> it is well you know you two was very good at rock music that's there's no no arguing that um uh, uh. but yeah i mean I, the, so i i just i do have to bring up i like going back to what you know more sophisticated younger listeners like i mean i i think a band like purity ring mm -hmm. is sort of who me, who my brother does like which is interesting yeah they 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 <laughs> Well, I'm looking at them on Spotify right now and, and their, you know, their top song in there is 24 million listens. What, you know, then it's like 11 million, 16 million, like, you know, people that's, and that's from what I could be compared to like Diet Sig where like the highest song is like 300,000, you know, yeah. that's people, people, uh, I just think that's rock music is the emotions of rock music are being, are have fallen out of favor, you know, and what's taken their place are these, what I would call, you know, st stoner emotions, <laughs> these, this dis, you know, disconnection, alienation, uh, you know, a, a sense of kind of an inner journey yeah. that rock doesn't necessarily. Well, um, rock can do that, but it it's can. not, but it, yeah, but it's not. A differentiating factor for rock really yeah yes um yeah interesting so i don't know i would like i just maybe just it is just nostalgia maybe that's the conclusion of this conversation but i i i like the idea that rock music will continue to be made and be popular and people will engage with it and maybe i just it won't happen really um, well, I mean, you know, we can, number one, you just, I think that you can play, you can, you know, play it for the children, like <laughs> force them to listen to it. Um, but I can't wait for my son to be like, oh my God, this shit is so awful. <laughs> <laughs> I have an eight year old I, for the listeners out there. I, I like some of the stuff my parents played for me, so I can only hope. That, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there are bands will. we still love from that era, from Jimi yeah. Hendrix to Pink Floyd to... <laughs> uh led zeppelin you know yeah um and i mean i guess it's uh, you know 
well, I don't know. Where do you think that what's the happy ending of this conversation? Oh, I was trying to give the, the dour. Um, oh yeah. Okay. You do that one. You do yeah. the dark. Well, that's what I was saying all is just, you know, I, my, my hope is that the idiom of rock will, um, continue to be fruitful for people. I just think they're, those sounds are awesome. Um, when, maybe when it gets down to it, I just love the fucking sound of drums and bass and distorted guitars. Um, which my preferred version of that is really a very contingent thing too. Like I sort of, we came of age uh, in the nineties. Um, we should explain, we were both born in the early eighties. So we caught like the tail end of the alternative uh, moment. And um, uh, that exact sound of the nineties when it became a really sort of a pop sound of loud guitars, drums, and guys with, uh, who'd smoked too many cigarettes singing um, about their disaffection um, was sort of like what I took rock to be because that's what was all around. And so when I go back and listen to something like Elvis Costello now, I'm like, this isn't fucking rock. He's got pianos in there. Um, so, <laughs> it, you know, it really might just be... Damn. <laughs> I... Elvis, I don't get it. I don't get Elvis Costello. I don't, I don't at all. I don't, I don't get it. No, I think you have to be there. And it's not actually because of the pianos. Like I love Talking Heads, who are yeah. Absolutely... No, it's, I, was just, I keep <laughs> expecting to like you know get this awesome David Byrne thing happening. It's just not. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So my point is, um, I understand that the version of rock that I grew up and really attached to and and like seeing come back now and hope continues to be the future is very much sort of a thing that was of one particular moment. And there's great rock music that's much broader than that from before and after. Um, but I don't know. I just love those particular sounds, and I hope they continue to be made in new and interesting ways because I want more of them. Um, so do I. I mean, I, I, I think, selfish or not, yeah. I love that I can still hear new rock music. Um, and I'm glad that there are a few other people that seem to care about it. Um, and the people that are making it still, you know, it's still like 20 year olds in the band. So that's, Absolutely. that's encouraging. Um, I, you know, I was, but I feel like the, when I was, when we were preparing for this podcast, I actually prepared for it by having a, um, like I had this discussion, um, like, uh, with my wife, like I had kind of brought up the topic so I could practice talking about it. And I think she made a good point, which was that like, she was like, well, why do you care that? <laughs> like, why is it a big deal that mm -hmm. like rock is less popular? Like it's not, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. And I, that's, it's like that to me was sort of a good take on how this is like, there's a happy ending where it's like, well, you know, rock it won't cease to exist, you know, just cause music is evolving. And mm -hmm. now that people could listen to basically all music that's ever been created at any time <laughs> that, you know, it's not really this. There are a lot of real deep thirties blues heads who are like, you are wrong, but yes, <laughs> but yes, but I can, you know, there's great collections of that on <laughs> i would actually say i've listened to some of the uh those collections if you go on spotify you should look for these collections called uh the stuff that dreams are made of they're I, really really good i will but uh, i need the deep cuts joe to be truly authentic that's well that you know that no one has as soon as people possess 
like find the physical copies of the deep cuts of the 30s blues yeah. then they could put them on um <laughs> i just read a whole book about that uh, it was it was pretty it's called uh do not sell at any price it's an awesome <laughs> book about about collecting like old 78s anyway um yeah the point is well you know we're not really nothing's being lost yeah other you know i mean other than the the possibility of a wealth of this new stuff being put out in the future you know yes but like it's and it's even that you know it's not that no one will be prevented from putting it out it's just maybe you know maybe some people will make music like purity ring instead of like the smashing pumpkins but um you know they they won't they don't have to yeah and Uh, i agree that's a great thing and i love those types of music as well yeah Um, so yeah cool i think we have uh charted a good course for rock in the future and um all those bands out there should listen to us the two of us will continue to listen to it. <laughs> and force our children, your yes. future children, my current children. Yes. To do so as well. All right. Um, let's put a bow on that. Let's say, yeah. Let's say um, if you people want to tweet, we have a Twitter account, right? What did I, it's like I think it's Savage. just Savage Beast Podcast. Yes. It's set. Is it Savage Beast Pod? Or Savage Beast. I'm looking it up right now. This is awesome because we're both digital marketers by trade. Uh, So fucking up your Twitter handle is definitely the first lesson. No, it's at Savage Beast Pod. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're going to have to have some... We're going to actually... I'm going to have to tweet a little. Yeah, you should give me the login so I can... uh, Yes. Put my hot takes. Hopefully we can argue back and forth with each other through the same Twitter account and people will just love that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so so did you want to go on and talk about anything else? Uh, this has gone on a fair length of time. I think we've kind of bullshitted long enough. All right. And the next one will try and be a little more concise. Yeah. We have a timer. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see how this one turns out. Um, in the future, I think our format will be, we'll try to have a main topic for each one and then we'll, uh, at least at times, I think just go through some cool new tracks and talk about them. The Um, nice thing is, uh, no one will ever listen to any of these podcasts. So it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Only our (laughs) future potential employers who will then become not our future employers. (laughs) Future employers. If you don't like... Radiohead, we're not interested in working for you. Yeah, if you're not okay with me um, saying curse words and occasionally saying something possibly slightly racist, uh, well, I, I want to take that back. If you, if future employers, if you don't understand why In Rainbows <laughs> is better than the Bends, then I don't want to work. For you. Yeah, at least you need to understand why it's better than the fucking Lumineers. Um. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Well, this yeah. is a good. Al- the Alabama Shakes suck. Oh no, I like them actually. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hot take. Oh no, they're um, overrated. They might be overrated, but I like them. Uh, also, I visited their home country and talked to people who know them, so that was fun. Yeah. The next podcast, Paul and I are just gonna fight about music. It'll be yeah. much more be- much more better. Mm. Um. <laughs> Yeah. 
we'll we'll come up with something good and uh, we'll see how this turns out and maybe it'll be thrown away and our next podcast will be our first one but we'll see um thanks guys okay peace